This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor here at the Peninsula Pulse. And today we're going to talk a lot about Bjorklinden, the retreat center uh, a little bit south of Bailey's Harbor. And today to talk about this, we have an old friend, the co founder of the feast here at the Peninsula Pulse, Tom McKenzie, the recently new director at Bjorklinden. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Tom, you, I said you're co-founder of The Pulse, and we'll get to this later. You started The Pulse 26 years ago with Dave Elliott and took a, a few steps in your journey, ended up in LA, back at Bjorklund and now. And when I say Bjorklund, a lot of people don't even know how to pronounce that, including uh, Deb, Deborah Fitzgerald here in the office, actually. <laughs> the, the one day she said Bjorklund or something like that. And I didn't know what she was talking about for a moment. And then I was like, oh, yeah, like the singer, Bjork. I think of the singer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bjork London. But tell our listeners what Bjork London is, what it does for the university. So Bjork London is the north campus of Lawrence University. And uh, it is on 441 acres of land, one mile south of Bailey's Harbor. Wow, I didn't realize it was that big. Yes, and 390 acres of that is in conservation easement okay. with the land trust. So that, that, that partnership is important to point out. And it was a gift to the university back in the 60s from Winifred and Donald Boynton in their estate. And originally it was set up to offer, a, eventually a seminar program was developed to offer people the opportunities to come and learn with academics cultural leaders, and spend time in this beautiful property. And it's evolved after there was a very unfortunate burning of the original lodge that was the summer home of Winifred and Donald Boynton. When was that? That was in 97. Okay. And so that burned down. The university really had a quandary about what to do with it. So after really looking at it from all angles, decided to build back bigger better winterized to offer because prior to that it was a summer home and the students did not have uh, an opportunity to engage in it for much of the year. Mm. So when the lodge was built, the the first part of the lodge, it was built to be four season and offer new programming that aligned with the student experience on Lawrence. So it's an extension campus. And so every weekend throughout the school year, students come up to Bjork London, and they don't just come up like as of a weekend vacation. Mm-hmm. They either as a student group club or as a, an athletics thing or with their faculty, they propose what they're going to work on over the weekend. They come up and they they also take on some of the, the, the work of, uh, you know, keeping the lodge in order. And they take on amazing projects like world junior kind of United Nations uh, <laughs> to, to come up with a with a problem to solve for the world. Or there's weekend where it's all choir students, uh, 70 choir students hmm. for the whole weekend. It's just kind of a magical space with, with all of them filling that space and bringing all that music. 
for those who don't know, Lawrence University located in Appleton, just a couple hours away. Having this center, this this kind of separate campus, what does that do for the students or the school? Like how how does it weave it into the university itself? So it is it is this space where during the academic year, the goal is that everyone as part of their Lawrence experience gets to come to Bjork London and experience what it's like to be there and take on whether it's a student in the conservatory. Having that time, that space, that retreat space to come and work on their musical work. There are practice rooms within the facility. There are 22 guest rooms. They have anywhere from two to six beds in each. So students will come and lodge together and they'll, they'll work on their, their academic or extracurricular work. And it just provides a, a way to get off campus into this natural space, this peaceful setting for peace, contemplation, restoration, healing, whatever it may be. And you say that the students get to, does that mean like it's an option or is it part of like a mandatory thing that they have to do as part of going to Lawrence University? It's optional. Okay. Uh, student groups apply, faculty apply on behalf of, the, so you may be in a class as I was when I was at Lawrence where it was on the syllabus to go spend time at Bjork. Oh, sure. And in my case, it was with uh, Doc Maravillo's Vegetation of Wisconsin course where we came and spent time hiking around Bjork London and identifying all of the plants. And you mentioned that's where you went. You're Lawrence's your alma mater. It's also Dave Elliott's, Grace Johnson, a lot of Lawrence connections here at the Pulse, a lot of Lawrence connections to Door County. And I wonder like what is what is that connection? Like how how strong is that Lawrence connection with the peninsula itself? Like in terms of you know, do these do students come up there and end up with like this long-term connection? Is that what connected you to Door County or did you uh, take advantage of Bjork Linden when you were at Lawrence? I did. As I mentioned, I did uh, attend, I did take on coursework here and that was when, before they built the new lodge. So that was when the original okay, lodge was Okay, so when it was, was much here. smaller. Yeah. And I don't even remember going inside, but, um, <laughs> and so I kind of hear two questions there. So what is, what is Lawrence's relationship to the community yeah. here? And what was my student experience and connection to, yeah. to Bjork London? Well, Bjork London always, ever since finding out about it and being on campus, it is such a special place. There's an amazing feeling when you're there. You just, you want to be there. It is a, a space of retreat. As Winifred Boynton said, it is a, a space of peace and contemplation. And that's, you know, why she built the chapel there, which we can get into yeah. a little bit, because that's, that's a whole chapter in itself <laughs> is really understanding the monument that she put there. But it's a remarkable space. It was for me. It was always a touchstone when I started the pulse with Dave definitely always thought about Bjork London and connected with it. My connections to Bjork London were strong while starting the Pulse, and I knew about it. I was aware of it. I'd obviously gone to Lawrence. Then after I moved to Los Angeles, Jill and I came back and we got married at Bjork London in front of the chapel. Mm. In terms of how Lawrence is connected to the community up here, I think you'll find many luminaries in the community in Door County that have connections to Lawrence University. Sure. And that is something that's really also exciting for me to explore as I return to this community. Yeah. And I start to pick up on those conversations because having been the director just now for about three or four months, I'm amazed at the people that walk in the door, half of which are alum, 
Hmm. Many of which are not, and they feel comfortable there. It is their space. It is the student space. So uh, that's that's something that I don't have a short pithy answer for. It is sure. an exploration to yeah. really understand that connection and to cultivate it and to nurture it and steward it. Well, first of all, I didn't know you also got married there. Your ties there, there are so many layers to it, to your ties to Bjorklund and, and, uh, and to Lawrence. My experience there is, is pretty limited in terms of, I've, I've been aware of the seminar series for many years, and we'll talk about that in just a second. And I've been a, involved in it, you know, as a basketball coach, we'd have some banquets there because we had some connections through Mark Breesman at the time. His son was playing for me in high school and his son ended up going to Lawrence. A couple of my players ended up down there. And then some people are aware of the the chapel, but I think a lot of people maybe think of that as a specific to Lawrence type of property, right? Uh, maybe there's a lot of local residents who have never been on that property or never been to a program there or been to an event there. What are the opportunities for locals and visitors to get involved or to to experience what's at Bjorkland and if they aren't a Lawrence University student or an alumni? Right, right. Let me Let me zoom out for a second because... I think the public opportunities are a really important piece of what Bjork London offers, and it's maybe a little something that people up here aren't as aware of yet. So much like a space like the Clearing, um, there's self-guided hiking available across this remarkable campus, across the 441 acres. There are incredible trails. Uh, there are trail maps available just inside the lodge at either entrance. Folks can grab that. There's also a really neat QR code that can be scanned that was developed by our geosciences department. <laughs> so you can get around and see all the trails across the campus. You can also click on areas of interest on there. Dogs are welcome as long <laughs> as they're on a leash. There's one exception, and that's Rosie. So that's our dog, and she lives there. <laughs> she, and she, may, she may come and greet you off leash. But yeah, we definitely welcome that. It is it is really a, a park that we're stewarding there, and it is it is very gorgeous. And it's also worth, when, when you have the time, give us a call and find out when you might be able to get on a tour hmm. on the trails and to, to learn more about the geology, the history, our net zero infrastructure that's visible along uh, one of the trails there, the solar panels and the wind turbine. Hmm. Now, the lodge is... As I mentioned, you know, you can go in and grab materials at either entrance. The lodge right now is typically closed to the public, except for events. And like if you want to purchase merchandise or just come to one of the offices that's either at the north or the south end, which you can come to pretty much nine to four weekdays, somebody should be there. And otherwise, just knock on your door since you live on site, right? Well, that's <laughs> that's in a different spot. But. And there are chapel tours. Right now, there's no chapel tours, but happy to do that by appointment. Mm. So if people want to call Bjork London and uh, can, can line up uh, a chapel tour. Let me just talk a little bit about that chapel because yeah. we touched on it a little bit. Winifred Boynton, really the, the matriarch of the story over at Bjork London, lived there first with her husband, Carlton Vale, and then he unfortunately died in a car accident in Institute. Um, she married Donald Boynton after that. And she became very interested in Scandinavian art and architecture of the 10th, 11th century. She was really interested in the time that St. Olaf was coming up the fjords and bringing Christianity <laughs> to Scandinavia. And also that blend, in that blend of Christianity, which she was a devout 
Christian, reader of the Bible, really kind of lived and embraced the stories of that. But she also loved the depictions of pagan. The, the, there was a blend there. And many of the Bible stories were rendered in this naive style, shall we say, and brought in a lot of the, the pagan storytelling as well. And she found within that blend that there was this incredible, I'll just say, path to peace. And she created that chapel throughout World War II as a testament to peace. And all of the frescoes that she painted, just like Michelangelo, although she painted into dry plaster and not wet plaster, and carvings all throughout that chapel were inspired by the stories that she was reading, by the history that she was absorbing. So she would go home and, and live outside of Chicago and spend a lot of time at the Art Institute and talk to different mm -hmm. artisans. And she really developed her craft and brought that all in full display in that chapel, which is a really remarkable testament. And uh, there's a book that goes along and chronicles her nine-year journey of building that chapel. And it's, it's really a, a historic landmark, and we have bus tours come to it all the time. It's definitely worth seeing, it's, and there are so many stories about her and about the creation of that site. What, you, that what are, a unique passion to fall into in her case and just like devote yourself to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because it really takes all that study as well. She was a remarkable artist, a writer, a culturally plugged in person to to the Chicago community and beyond. Uh, just a fascinating character, so of which there are many that have, <laughs> that have uh, been drawn to, to this Door County space. To check that out, you said you can, right now you'd have to set up call and, and set up a tour, but in the summertime, do you have regular tours of the chapel? We do, so, okay. so check the website for the regular mm -hmm. tour schedule. And then the other way that people can experience it is through this the seminar series that Bjork Linden does. Yep. And I've, I've seen that over the years. I used to do the events calendar here and handle all the PR that came through. So I'd see these seminars that come through and I would read it and there'd be these really great names and national type figures that would be on that docket. But unfortunately, as like a 23-year-old working in, in both the Pulse, the bar <laughs> and coaching, there was never a time where I could say, oh, I could go and do this for a week straight and, and set aside this time. But there's some amazing opportunities there and my time covering it and I know you haven't quite released your seminar series schedule for next year, but tell us about what the kind of how the seminar program all works and anything you can tease us with. Yeah, this is a really exciting time because we're about a month away from announcing the full roster of seminar programs that we'll be offering June through October next year. This gives me an opportunity to give you all a little sneak peek. <laughs> so one, the seminars have a loyal following. So there, there are a lot of folks that are, that are just waiting for this information to drop and, and we'll be sure to get that out to them once it's ready in January. I'm also interested in broadening the tent as well. So for the Bjork London seminar curious, <laughs> uh, there will be two spring seminars that will be online. And it's with noted uh, Lawrence University historian and celebrated faculty, Paul Cohen. He'll be doing a course called the Russia Syndrome, which is hmm. really a dive into Vladimir Putin and how we've ended up through Russian history to be at this moment where we are with the Russian-Ukraine conflict. Wow. So that's a five-week course once a week. You'll have some reading, so be prepared. <laughs> 
He'll follow that up with something called Cohen's Classic. As, a, as an educator with 37 years under his belt in the classroom, he's developed a list that's really interdisciplinary. It goes beyond history into film and literature and the favorite works that he's taught over the years. So he's got a collection. I'll, I'll uh, save the list until you see the description. <laughs> so I'm excited to be offering those uh, end of March through early June. And you said those are all online classes. This will be Correct. two, okay. two back to back. You could, you could take both, you know, and you'd be be 10 weeks of learning with, with Professor Paul Cohen. Is that something that Bjorklund and I'm curious if kind of going to the online stuff, is that something that you discovered during COVID? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Similar to us, at, I'm on the board at Right Outdoor County. We saw the same thing where we never offered anything online before. And then COVID forced us to figure it out. And it ended up being this great way to bring other people into the fold who weren't going to have an opportunity to travel up here or couldn't use their vacation to take class, but could do something online and become kind of part of that family. Yeah, yeah. But in that time, it was in place of the seminar season. Now we've moved it to the front end of the season. So you can kind of, it's a kind of an additional way to do it. Place to, yeah, yeah. It's a warm up period and uh, a teaser, if you will. For, for jumping into the seminar. Now, I'll say the seminars, if you come up during the summer, fall, it's a Sunday through usually Friday okay. uh, proposition. Sometimes that goes into Saturday morning. Okay, That depends on the week. There's just a couple of weeks that we run into Saturday morning. Lodging's available. I think I mentioned there are 22 guest rooms. Uh, we also have a studio space. Uh, that sometimes people stay in. And the classes, and there we have a full kitchen. Uh, I need to give a shout out to Chef Alex Reyna, <laughs> who does amazing things at the Bjork London Kitchen. It's just really cool having basically a restaurant on site. And Alex is a great guy. Alex is a former teammate of mine in, in high school sports at Gibraltar. It's great to see Bjork Linden pull another native to the county, bring him back home, just like he brought yep. you back to the county. So I always love seeing that. <laughs> so if you stay with us, going to get your three squares a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, between breakfast and lunch, nine to noon, the seminars run. And that's, that's class time. So you could expect, you know, if it's a hiking class, you'll be out on the trails. If it's academic class, you'll be in one of our three seminar rooms. Oh, big announcement. I'm interrupting myself here, (laughs) but this is so exciting. Yesterday, we just turned on broadband on campus first thing I did was pull up a YouTube video and it just came up <laughs> blazing fast. I was so excited. This is just a game changer. So the kinds of seminar work that we can do now and the way we connect with the rest of the world hmm. is fundamentally changed as of yesterday at 3 p.m. Wow. So that's going to be really exciting to explore. We're going to be looking. We've always had good AV and all these three seminar spaces, but we're going to be looking at optimizing that for interactive if, if there's folks in the city are like, yeah, so you have internet, big deal. Like, it's a big deal up here. <laughs> it's a big deal up here. It was no easy task, really three years in the making, really? Yeah, you know? Yeah. This is, this is remote. This is <laughs> Lawrence's remote Northern campus. So it's, it's really exciting for us to be thinking about. So the seminar experience is, you know, you, you breakfast, class time, lunch, and what's the is the afternoon like the people stay on campus? They they roam around. They get to explore the county. What, how do people what experience whatever it? you want to do? Typically on a Monday, we'll offer a couple hour hike 
followed by a chapel tour. Those who just want to go do the chapel tour okay. and hear about that can can join in later in the afternoon just at the chapel piece. The rest is open. Sometimes it can be really organic. I remember last year somebody said, I'm really into rock painting and created an amazingly elaborate station for painting rocks and in the afternoons would have a crew of rock painters. And these these were joyous little objects that they made that then, you know, populated the space and, and get left behind to put smiles on people's faces. And I just I just love that. That's just I was one you'd example. Say they, we we sent them off to just paint the bluffs of the Niagara Scarpet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Start some controversy. So, and really, anything can happen in the afternoon. Sometimes that's pre-planned. Many times, the film seminars will uh, have screenings either in the afternoons or evenings, and invite folks from across the other. Typically, we run three seminars at a time. Okay. So they might invite everybody at breakfast or whatever. You know, come come by and see. Uh, the screening. I should mention too that you don't just need to be a resident. If you want to save a little money and you're up here, or if you you have a home up here, you're lucky enough to have a home up here, or a summer home, uh, you can just sign up as a commuter. It does give you first night's dinner because that's kind of when we all break bread together and lunches. Sure. Those times when everyone sits down and and eats together are kind of special. So the commuter cost does build some of that in. Okay. If you want to go totally economical, there's an auditor price, no meals. You just get the content. <laughs> you can kind of get in and out and just learn what you can. And then, yeah, back to afternoons. Yeah, really anything could happen. It could be a poetry reading or everyone just takes their time to do what they like. And you say you have three seminars going at a time. And these are not, it's not like there's one track, like Bjork Linden's classes and seminars are focused on one particular genre, right? I mean, you mentioned the film seminar and some of the different things you do, like what is the breadth of the offerings? So this gets philosophical here because it's, this is where we tie into Lawrence as being a liberal arts education and um, the liberal arts are, are vast and many disciplines can fit into that. And through learning about any one discipline, we can learn how to learn, which is at the center of the liberal arts proposition, that it's, that it's constant inquiry, it's constant curiosity and excitement from learning. So uh, I'll just give an example. Looks like our first week is shaping up with basically a hiking seminar with Don Quintens, noted naturalist, who's uh, been at the Schlitz Audubon Center for many, many years. That's going to be called Listen to the Birds, and it's mostly focused on birding. Uh, and the springtime is particularly nice time. Then we were looking at a seminar led by Professor Constance Kasser from Lawrence University. And she was just written up in Time magazine, I believe. I hope hmm. I have the publication correct. For her do-nothing courses at Lawrence, which quickly became the highest interest and in sign-ups of any Lawrence classes. Yeah, I mean, if you call something do-nothing, I'm, I'm signing up for that right away. <laughs> Well, what it, what it really is, is practicing how to unplug from the world that we're living in, how to give yourself, your, your physical being, time and space to nourish, to reset. And so that's the concept. And what she does is she curates a number of different things across the week. It could be, it could be yoga, it could be mindfulness, it could be meditation, it could be a religious studies thing, or there are many different ways to go at it. It's, it's not actually doing nothing. It is doing nothing with a purpose. Mm. So that's going to be exciting. And uh, 
big shout out to her for getting picked up in several big media outlets uh, for her work. Looking also at that week, a dance and movement seminar with a newer professor, Moira Donegan Cracker, and it's called Practicing Location, Internal, External, Mindful Movement and Nature Wandering. I don't, I think I'll let you guys wait for the description to, <laughs> because she, she puts it down in words much better than I can, but okay. really it's, it's about, uh, she's, she's a person who really believes in moving through space, walking almost everywhere, cycling, and it is her practice. She's a, as a dancer to really be thinking about our bodies and how they, they move in the space. So that'll be a really exciting one. We then are moving into, oh, I love this one. How we know what we know. Social and intellectual history meets cognitive science. And that'll be team taught by Roger Johnson and Jerry Kemery Hogat. Now, are most of these people who teach these classes, are these professors at Lawrence or how do you, how do you pull people in? Just and, in those and, that, and that I mentioned, together? many of them are professors, but not all of them. Don, okay. Don Quintens is a is a naturalist. He's been teaching at Bjork London for a long time. And some so are, some some are some alum. Okay. Um, but yeah, everyone's a quality educator and they have really something to bring on their topic. And I'm guessing some of these have done it for many years. So they maybe have a following of people who return year after year. Yes. We talked about ABC journalist Terry Moran will be back this year, this summer, which is very exciting. And what is the one he's going to be teaching? To be determined, to be announced, okay. <laughs> to be announced, I'll put it that way. That's just that contemporary brings... contemporary politics of, of the nation. Like gr- growing up in Door County, and especially as I started to hit my 20s and partially because I was doing the Pulse events calendar and I'd have to write the descriptions of what was going on around the county. So I would make myself go to just random things, whether it be bingo down at the JC Hall or a lecture series at the auditorium. And and you'd see the listings that come up to the seminar series. And it's really unique to be, to grow up in a tiny town like we do up here in the peninsula and go to this tiny school like Gibraltar, but be surrounded by something like that, where you can have somebody from like ABC News come and talk about international politics or this other professor talking about the Russian-Ukraine conflict and how we got here. I mean, there's not a lot of small towns where you can grow up in a town of two or 300 people and have access to, to things like that, let alone whether it be the dance, Kultai Dance Company coming to Door Community Auditorium or even just being able to wander the woods and see something like the, the chapel at Bjork Linden. I mean, it is truly unique, and I think what Bjork Linden does weaves into that fabric of what makes us who we are on the peninsula, I think. I think that's, that's one of the things that's so unique about this community. And I'll point out there's not really an institute of higher there's there's not an institute of higher education where you can get a credential degree in a higher education here am i you fact check no, me I on mean, that technical n- not like university yeah, you, right, right, technical right. college right. yes yeah but there's the clearing there is bjork london there are these spaces there's the peninsula art school there are these spaces that are offering this kind of rigorous coursework this kind of very interesting intellectual coursework, these kind of academic explorations, these kind of cultural forays like like DCAF, the Door Kinetic Arts Festival, which will be going yeah. on year seven coming up. I hope everybody comes out to see DCAF this summer. Uh, it'll be in September. 
these incredible offerings, I think, just get into the bloodstream of the community here, get mm-hmm. people talking and just speaking with each other at this pretty exciting level and of, to do that, of awareness. Like you, yeah. like you point out, to do that without there being a university here to, right. you know, you have those kind of things in u- university towns where the professors and the, the speakers that are coming to the university sort of spill out into the community. But for us to have some of those opportunities without having that kind of thing, like I, when I was in Chicago, I was enamored with the ability to go, like Elmhurst College would have Bob Woodward speaking or nice. uh, Alex Kotlowitz would be up at Northwestern and I'd hop on the train. I'm like, these things are free. This is amazing. I can just yeah. go and listen to these guys whose books I've been reading for my entire life. But you expect that in a town with the university, you know, but up here to not have a university like that, but still have these opportunities is pretty unique and pretty lucky. Not to mention, you know, some of those Lawrence alumni who have done these things, but have a home here or vacation here or come back here or other not Lawrence related people, but just some of the people that we have in this community and the background that they have, it's always great to end up at Blue Horse or Skipstone and just be talking and somebody else overhears you and they chime in and it turns out they've done these amazing things in their career and now you can just pick their brain for an hour. That's one of the most unique parts of this community and something like Bjorkland and being a part of bringing that here has got to be really rewarding for you to come back to. Yeah, and I hope that that people in the community feel compelled to to come and participate in the seminars. It is it is for the people of, of the county. It's not just a Lawrence thing. And one of the things I've tried to do in curating the seminars, I've just just started going from the top of the list. I didn't, I wasn't that thoughtful and like giving you my top five, <laughs> you know, bestsellers or what, whatever I think it will be. But I really tried to curate where people can come with all kinds of interests into it and you'll find, you'll find something that'll really resonate. So yes, moves across disciplines, moves across, I'm, I'm looking at academic leaders, cultural, you know, leaders who can really hold an audience and give them an intimate special experience at this place next to the lake, you know, a site for peace, contemplation, dialogue. And that's, that's a special thing. And it's been happening at Bjork London for a long time. And I'm just so excited to be, to be jumping in while it's, you know, you know, built out as much as it is. Maybe this summer what I'll do is I'll just tell Dave, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be checked out this week. I got to go support support your college. <laughs> well, I, sh- I should plan, I should say, plan now that for, the, for that week off that you're going to take a seminar. <laughs> Never happen. And no. it, well, you're a parent, so let's talk about that. Well, let's, um, let's pause for just a moment here. Okay. We're going to take a short break and then we will come back to talk a little bit more about some of the evolution you're looking to create here with the programming. Great. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. 
And we're back. Tom, let's get right to it. You talk about, when, when we talked before the podcast, about kind of the next steps you want to take here with Lawrence as you've been in this role for about four months now, correct? Yeah. With, uh, or with York Linden. August 25th um, was my first day. Go down so in history. So you're still getting your full sea legs underneath you, going into you know your first seminar series and things. But you mentioned some of this effort to make it somewhat accessible for families or make it easier for families to be a part of it. Right. So I, I think about myself. I think about people like you and, and how challenging, how much I would like to take seminars like this. Say, say I'm not the director. I'm looking in from the outside. Sure. I just happen to have the catalog in my lap and I'm looking at these and thinking, I'll be in Door County for a couple of weeks. How would I do this? I've got two kids, you know, I, comparatively, the lodging's pretty good rate and I get, you know, the tuition built into that. This is, seems doable, but what do I do with my children? So I, first off, I, I'll say that I, I'm really loving the idea of hearing lots of little feet around in addition to, to my daughter, she's seven, but you know, they're going to need something to do during the nine to noon slot. So right. what I'm, what I, I'm going to put this out there, cause I'm guessing a lot of locals are listening to this right now. Some folks in nonprofits up here, I really want to uh, partner and work with folks that, that might have opportunities for youth concurrent with that nine to noon mm. seminar window. So I'm looking at you know, Camp Will, which is right on campus there. Amazing work of Dora Shakespeare. Huge shout out and plug for those guys. Go see Dora Shakespeare this summer. <laughs> it is in the beautiful York London campus in the historic Boynton Garden. And uh, that is yet another way that, that the public comes and enjoys the space. And Camp um, Will is like a, a youth acting camp, camp. Camp Will is their their youth program. And it runs in the morning. I think we're we're just about there on timing. So we're, we're trying to figure that out. We've already had some preliminary conversations about that. Okay. If all goes well, maybe we'll have an art course that we can offer on site, but uh, that's definitely preliminary, not, <laughs> not although I'm announcing it publicly. Uh, I'm announcing publicly that, that You're thinking there'll about. be more, <laughs> more to come on that, hopefully. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at how how does our schedule align with what's going on at the ridges or other places? So if you're out there and you're thinking, I do youth programming for this certain age or, or, or doing these particular things, please reach out and we'd love to partner, perhaps co-market and get the word out about that joint venture. So that, I mean, ideally I, I envision, you know, being a parent, sitting down for breakfast with my child at Bjork London, enjoying that. I can head into the seminar. My child has a beautiful program to plug into for the next couple hours. We all come back for lunch. We talk about that. We spend the afternoon enjoying Door County, you know, so that's... Yeah, matching that up for parents is is huge because so many times you go, this would be great for me. It's not great for everybody else. And finding those things that are mixed are just such a, a... a godsend for so many parents, but just, to, but also not to just be like, Oh, my kids are occupied. You know, when I was coaching basketball, there were parents who would sign their kids up for a basketball camp purely for the cheap babysitting. You know, they, this kid had no interest in, in being there whatsoever. And it's still great. Like, Hey, th- my job is to expose them to this then if he's going to be here anyway, but you could see it sometimes you're like, Oh, this kid doesn't even like basketball. They're just Give me two hours, you know, Yeah, which I totally understand now that I have a couple <laughs> small kids, but it'd be great if you can and work that out. So how should people contact you if, if there is somebody out there who does some sort of program or might be interested in helping 
even if they don't have a nonprofit right now? Like what? So uh, you can call Bjork London. It's on the website or my emails, Thomas W. McKenzie at Lawrence.edu. Excellent. I want to talk to you before we run out of time here. We're, we're at about 40 minutes. We got a few minutes yet we can go. Just kind of your background and what your journey here. I know you've been on the podcast before and talked about your origin days with the Pulse. So we don't need to dive too deep into that. But you start the Pulse in 1996 with Dave, I believe. We, yeah, we graduated in 95 and we were already working on it that winter. So what brought you back and what's it like kind of reintegrating back into the county after a decade, more than a decade? I'll say living in Los Angeles for the last 21 years is amazing. And I really enjoyed that. Coming back to Door County, I am just trying to really humble myself and understand it is a new place. There are new people moving things in new directions. And there are a lot of the same people moving things in, mm. in this new direction that the county is moving on. And I just want to, again, humbly put out there that I am a newcomer back on the scene, even <laughs> though I have that history of starting the Pulse, the late 90s. This is, this is fundamentally a new space. And I've been reading the Pulse all along. I, <laughs> I, I, I always had my subscription. But still, it's different to really be here and, and re-enter the community. And I've had very, really exciting conversations with people I knew 25, 30 years ago who, you know, I, I worked with alongside. And, and then there are so many new entities, businesses, nonprofits, and the way things are working here is, is fundamentally changed. And I, I'm staggered by the amount of development, evolution, the inertia and energy in this community. And I want to absorb it and not make too many assumptions. <laughs> and really, uh, I'm going to turn the question a little bit on you as, as a journalist who's been covering it the whole time <laughs> I was gone. What do I need to know? What is pond hockey? <laughs> <laughs> That's crucial to the, to the Bjorkland experience. Um, it may be. Well, one of the things that when my friends make their way back here, and they, they come back a few times and they realize, oh, this is actually pretty nice here. There's this great park or this wasn't here or this brewery wasn't here. Or, this beer garden wasn't here. Or, this thing for kids wasn't here when I was growing up. This would be great. I'm going to bring my kids back. I guess it's like those things, how much effort it took to make those happen. And not by me, but by the community and by other folks in this community who did a lot of legwork for it. Right. And it, it's not by happenstance. When you're in a remote place like this, nothing just happens. There's, there's so much maneuvering, so much, you know, so many decisions along the way. It takes work. You know, I wrote a little bit about this in Door County Living for the winter issue is just, if you, if you're going to make a life here and if you're going to make this place on this peninsula, that's so far away from all those other resources, like we talked about, you know, there's, there's not a university here. There's not that huge employee hub here. You have to do work. You have to come up with stuff. You got to come up with unique business ideas, and then you got to support those businesses and make sure they stick around, you know, if there are services you want. And that's the one thing that sometimes when people come back from the city, they're kind of shocked by, oh, I can't just, how do I get internet at this house I bought? I told you, it's not as simple as you thought. You don't just call Comcast or you don't maybe get the thing that you're used to getting like right uh, at the snap of a finger. And that's the biggest kind of thing I realize when people move back is just that little hurdle. And once you get used to it, it's not that, I mean, 
I thought I would struggle with it more when I moved back almost six years ago now. And right. it pretty quickly turned into, you just adjust your expectations. Just like when I moved to Chicago, I had to adjust myself in the opposite direction where I would call a auto mechanic and, and say, oh, I'd like to come in for, I, I got to get this checked out on my car. And they say, okay, yeah, you can bring that in. We can do it. And like, okay, when should I bring it in? Like two weeks or do I just leave my car there and you'll get to it when you do? And then he goes, well, if you get here in a couple of hours, I'll have it back to you by the end of the afternoon. That was a different thing for me because I'm so used to just having to plan on like a four week lead time coming yeah. from a small town. So when I moved to the city, I had to adjust, oh, I can just do stuff. <laughs> and you, and that now moving back, you just have to adjust back the other way <laughs> a right. little bit. Got to plan ahead. It makes me think of the, I don't know why exactly, but uh, the Andy Warhol quote that he said, if, I'm probably going to get this wrong a little bit, but uh, people say time changes things, but it's really people that change things. <laughs> and this is a community where that really bears out. I mean, there is a small population that takes care of and welcomes with great hospitality every year, millions of folks into this space. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody that does that, you know, so. Well, there's even a smaller population that does so much of the work. <laughs> right. You'll find that right. too. Right. And I'm curious for you, you start the pulse and you guys start spitting out this publication by the skin of your teeth most weeks. Yeah. And with idiots like me turning in their stupid sports column on a floppy disk at the last second, but which is, you know, it's not on a floppy disk, but it's still last second each week for me. But, you know, some of those early writers, Vinny Shomo, Mariah Good, Sam Perlman, these yeah. people who you guys knew from the community who were just chipping in for a couple of bucks or often for free. And now you move back into this community. And yeah. so many of those early contributors are Vinny Shomo, county board member. Yes. Head of it's, Fog. It's uh, thrilling. Mariah Good, head yeah. of land use services. Yeah. Sam Perlman, Door County Maritime Museum. Yeah. And you can go on down the line and it's pretty awesome sometimes when I stop myself and look around and go, wow, this is, we used to just sit at the beach and <laughs> like right. kill one hour between split shifts or something or. Right. Uh, right. What's that like for you? Just from the pulse perspective. It's super exciting and scary at the same time. <laughs> Everyone's got their, their grown up, you know, trousers on now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's super exciting because, because there's so much potential change at our fingertips. I would be remiss not to say, though, as, you know, representing Lawrence University, that I think there's something so important that now as so many of us are finding places of power and responsibility and, and able to much more easily than we had ever dreamt of in the past shape and make change, that we, we do what, what maybe some folks didn't do for us when it was bring us into the conversation right. as young people. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing I want to do for Lawrence students. It's, it's a way that I want to connect with the local schools up here hmm. is, you know, really having youth voice in these conversational spaces where, where decisions that affect our community are happening. Yeah. So, and find a way to yeah. make it effective and actually yeah. respond to it. Not just here's our token here we hit, we listen to some high schoolers and like it goes nowhere. <laughs> and that, that's another, you asked me about sort of long range visions and where I want to go with Bjork London and the way it serves Door County. It's like, I would really love to see nonprofits, especially thinking of that space as a place for convening, maybe hmm. convening in non-competitive space and places for cooperative professional development. These are really 
really exciting things that I think we can we can lean into and offer over time. But as I say, I'm I'm getting reacquainting myself right. uh, with the community and getting to know what everyone's doing in their in their positions. You mentioned wanted to bring some of those different populations in. I wonder. I definitely felt like this in my early days as a business owner, and even the early days with the pulse of like not being brought into the conversation a lot. And I yeah. wonder if you felt that too, as you guys started the pulse, like maybe disrespected is too strong a word. Cause now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, you got to prove yourself. Like <laughs> there is a certain amount of disrespect, but I always try to look out for, yeah, I always worry about that pulse. I'm getting older, you know, I'm 44 now, so I'm not sitting in the bars, but I always want our publication to resonate and speak to people who came up the same way I did, who were working doubles at the restaurants and the coffee shops or getting up early and maybe hung over to serve people as a barista or working late nights at, at Husby's or the Bayside and things like I want that. I want those people to be represented. And as you get older, it's a little harder to feel on top of that. Whereas I think the early days of the pulse, it was really somewhat easy because you were just in that realm and all your friends were going through that too. I think uh, looking back, I feel really fortunate that we didn't feel more pushback in terms of starting the pulse that, you know, we had, we had our competitors, but we just did our thing and we did it in our own way. And we were, I don't know, a little more technologically advanced, luckily <laughs> at the moment. That's one of those, those interesting things. And I, yeah. I'd credit Dave for, you know, having originally converting the Laurentian to digital layout design and then bringing that here. And then that being a little, little bit of a step ahead and but yeah, no, pe people weren't pushing back on us being in this space. I think people, I really feel fortunate and thankful that, you know, there was an openness and that felt incredible at a, at a young age and having consciously yeah. decided, Hey, I'm not going to grad school. I'm not going to go take an entry level job in some career. I'm hopefully going to land in down the road, you know, in a city, I'm going to come up with Dave and start a newspaper. And one of the hardest things about leaving it was getting to a city and finding I was, I no longer had that kind of decision-making yeah. latitude anymore. I had to kind of let somebody else make those decisions and, and live with it and carry out my piece hmm. of it. And that was, that was the, the culture shock going that way. Right. And, and I missed that a lot. So I'll say that. I don't know if that, that answers the question piece of it terms of how that lands with folks. But I, I do think that's, that's an interesting thing about entrepreneurially Door County and what it offers. If you can find one of those many gaps where it's like, oh, well, they, they got this in the city, but they don't have this up here. You right. Know? If you fill that space, you, you can kind of run it the way you want. You can make your beer flavors the way you want, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. I wonder if people feel the same opportunity is there. I haven't thought about this that much, so, but I'm thinking of like mid to late nineties, you guys are starting the pulse fresh out of college. My brother and I were, had a restaurant, a, yeah, you know, a, Danos. depending on the day you went there, a bad or decent restaurant, depending on how the pizza <laughs> oven was working that day. And we were in high school. I was in high school. My, my brother was going to college and uh, my friends, Jason Peterson and Kevin Klatt started a boat business where they were delivering boats to that people could rent from beaches and stuff and they would bring it to you. And there were a lot of young J Jason Peterson and big daddies up in fish Creek. Joel Bremer was just starting good eggs. There were right. a lot of people, Ryan Leary at Leroy's. I'm just, sorry, I'm spitting, spitballing a lot of names here, but, and then later blue horse, all these people in their early twenties or late teens, just somehow starting a business in door County. I wonder if that, 
And that was like this generational shift, just like there were so many businesses that started in the late seventies from kind of young adults, just, oh, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to try this. Right. I wonder now it seems like it takes maybe more, more cash on hand to get started. You, you, you know? talked about this in your last podcast with the uh, art journalist. Oh yeah. Yeah. How you have to, maybe well, it's, how, can, can an artist still come, a, come up here and, and we were talking specifically about artists. Now I'm wondering if that almost anything, I wouldn't rule it out. I think it's, yeah, it might not be as easy. I've just dropped but a question I, I for another say, podcast. I wouldn't say it's a <laughs> foregone conclusion. No, I, that's just my gut feeling. Well, we might have to talk about it again. But um, you know, where maybe maybe Door County needs some savvy, youth-looking venture, you know, philanthropist, capitalists for you know, social entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. Yeah, somebody with money, you know, <laughs> to 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 help address that. That yeah. maybe maybe it's a tighter little market, but you still need to bring in those good ideas and make sure they, they get the traction they deserve. Yeah. Cause you don't want yeah. what, what makes door County unique is not necessarily somebody always, you know, p- people got to be able to take risk. Right. Yeah. I think, to, I think Dave and I each got a credit card. We probably had a, like a $1,500 limit on it. And that's how we started the paper. <laughs> that was our, that was our venture. Our venture capitalist was uh, Bay Lake Bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know the risk they were taking, but. Right. <laughs> um, and, yeah. Thank but, you, Bay Lake. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now Nicolay, I think, is a transformation. There. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, I think, you know, we're coming up on an hour. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave that conversation for the next time we, we sit down on a podcast. But now my, my brain is just spinning on that. No, that I appreciate idea. that about this conversation and always talking with you that uh, we get to a point where we just. Get into some good stuff. (laughs) And and thank you for the listeners for coming along. All right. Well, Tom, thanks for hopping on the podcast today. I could talk to you, obviously, for a lot longer. And I encourage our listeners to keep an eye out for the release of the seminar series, the full slate. When is that? When can they expect that? January. And I'm sure you'll send us information on The Pulse. We'll put it out on The Pulse. It'll be on your website. And... Yeah, check it out. There's some great opportunities, just some of the stuff Tom talked about today. Some really interesting stuff in our own backyard on a beautiful campus. So, Tom, thanks for joining me. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.